I'm Dean Murdoch, and this is Amazing Places. Welcome to another episode of Amazing Places. Today I'm talking to a couple of folks from the District of Saanich. Suzanne Samborski is the Director of Parks, Recreation and Community Services. Eva Rickius is the Manager of Parks. Hello to you both. Hello, Dean. Hi, Dean. Thanks for having us, you know, especially in Saanich when we have well over 170 special places. And while we're so fortunate to live in such bounty, we're looking forward to talking about how we create a new relationship with nature, our Mother Earth, um, where we don't take advantage of her, but we protect her. Very nice. Thank you, Suzanne. It's a delight to have you both on the podcast today. Lots of great stuff going on in Saanich, and I uh, thought it would be an opportune time for us to, to highlight some of that. So thanks for stopping by to have a chat. Uh, right off the bat, I just want to acknowledge um, some of the fantastic work that I've seen, that my family has seen, that I've discussed with my neighbors when we're standing out in the street at a safe distance, um, is just how fortunate we've been to have such amazing service from, particularly from parks and recreation and community services uh, in this very difficult year. Uh, particularly as I know uh, public health guidelines continue to change on a seemingly weekly or daily basis, uh, how challenging it must be to continue to deliver services and have locations where people are coming to receive those services and participate in, in recreation activities and either indoor or outdoor. So my hat's off to you both and to the fantastic staff at Saanich for doing such a, an amazing job during these very challenging times, giving us all something to, to look forward to and some semblance of normalcy during these very challenging times. Well, thanks, yeah. Dean. Um, you know, maybe maybe just to kind of build on that from the recreation side, and then Eva can really, you know, take us down that road of, of our parks and open spaces. But I think the most challenging thing for staff uh, right in March of 2020, when the facilities were shut down, it was that immediate reaction of, well, how do we serve the community? You know, how do we keep residents connected? It, it's so important for folks to come into the centers, not just for the activity, but it's, you know, the connections they make there, uh, many people, that's their family, it's it's their social connections, it's their mental health. Um, and, and, and you're right, with the first couple of months, there hadn't been a lot of guidelines of, I, of what would it look like to reopen again. And so the staff spent just a lot of time and energy in trying to imagine what would be important. You know, we'd already been talking about physical distancing. We had already learned about how many times to wash your hands and, 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 and that sort of thing. And so the staff was already well underway when the guidelines finally came out um, in really early June uh, to say, okay, we're, we're, we're there, we can make our resumption plans, we can build a safe environment. And, and our approach in Saanich was, was a conservative approach where we, we wanted it to be scalable. And so we would figure out how we could open up things slowly so that we could test it out and then bring more in. And then as again, with the shifting sounds of the public health orders, be able to scale it back when we needed to without causing a lot of um, unnecessary stress for the patrons and for the people who were participating in the programs. Um, and I think that served us well, you know, when we hit the second wave in November um, and then we started having to scale back, as you said, not only weekly, but sometimes on a daily basis, we could just take out some of those layers and, and reduce it back. Um, because what we want to make sure is exactly that not only is it a, a good place for people to be, but that it is safe and healthy. 
and the indoor uh, facilities definitely probably had the most challenge when it came to to creating those those safe spaces and places. So I just wanted to acknowledge that the, those indoor spaces, how challenging it must have been to create that space for people to use those facilities safely. And, and I've been regularly using the facilities since they've reopened. And I have to say, uh, it is without a doubt a, a, among the safest indoor activities you can participate in, uh, just in the way that it's been thoughtfully laid out and structured and separation has been created and there's hand sanitizing and sanitation and wipes and it, it's really, uh, and staff on hand to ensure that there's distancing taking place. So I, I really, again, want to commend you for creating that safe atmosphere to people for people to be able to enjoy the opportunity to recreate. Yeah. Well, certainly on the outdoor experience, there was talk and certainly we saw it at the provincial level that um, BC Parks did unfortunately close their provincial parks for a number of weeks. And so the, the pressure at that time was both a pull and a push in terms of um, the pull um, from residents who were out using Saanich parks and regional parks so extensively and also I'm sure there were discussions going on internally at, at various levels about oh should we be closing parks thank goodness we didn't um, because I can tell you that uh, um, from our staff's observations and then also from some Google Analytics data that we have that um, our residents have uh, discovered and rediscovered Saanich parks and trails. Um, for example, last June, we have some Google Analytics data that uh, showed that, and that's just data that comes from people's cell phones if they have their location services on. So it's a conservative number because not everyone uses their location um, uh, services. But we found last June that in BC overall, um, park use was up by uh, over 80% over a baseline. Wow. Yeah, and so we just looked at that number again recently for the month of January, and we're still up in BC over 30% uh, increase in use. And for the capital region, I just have the number for this January, which is a 46% increase over the- Oh, wow. So it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it makes so much sense, right? I mean, we're so fortunate to have these treasures within our region that allow us to explore the outdoors under the best of circumstances. So it's only rational that when people begin to run out of other opportunities that they would normally be pursuing, that even those who are not keen on hiking are suddenly going to find a real interest in getting outdoors and scaling a mountain or walking through the woods. Yeah, yeah. And well, I think there's both, right? Um, I was uh, doing a CTV interview yesterday, uh, as this is uh, mental health week. Are you saying you're seeing other people? You're, you're, you're having no, other interviews? Oh, I yeah. thought this was oh. exclusive. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, you have the exclusive long interview. <laughs> oh, thank you. Long form. I love it. Well, you can be our exclusive podcast, Dean. How's that? Oh, well, don't make promises you can't keep, but I will take that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, it was interesting because the reporter was telling me he had been speaking with a pollster who was saying that... Um, the polling data was also giving information about how much folks were um, uh, reducing some good habits, like 
less brushing of teeth, less shower. <laughs> so I was thinking, oh, really? Uh, not my own experience, but you know, I, no. maybe other people. So, <laughs> so I'm sure there's both sides in terms of, yes, there's a lot more park use, um, but perhaps others are uh, not, not getting out. And so the encouragement really is, it doesn't have to be a big monumental hike. Go for a walk in your neighborhood, start small, start slow, go to your neighborhood park, explore. There's so many awesome trail connections that we have in Saanich that um, even as I explored my neighborhood through the pandemic, I found all these even more street to street connectors that I didn't know about. <laughs> so that, that's been really amazing to find connections to my local park. I found two more that I didn't know about just on my way to Playfair Park. Oh, is that right? Who knew? <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, it is quite remarkable. I mean, my family did a lot of wandering around our neighborhood uh, in, in the past spring and have continued to do so. And you're absolutely right. We found connections to, you know, from one cul-de-sac through to another that led to green space. Um, playgrounds even that were tucked into neighborhoods that we didn't even know were there. Um, so it, in that respect, it's been terrific to be able to explore the neighborhood and learn just how, you know, how much available uh, infrastructure and green space we have that are conducive to just getting out and enjoying the natural environment. Yeah, and I think as we do that, we become more confident. And we also, my hope is that we also become more curious about, oh, like I'm just looking out my window here right now and I swear there are 50 robins that have flocked. I don't know what they're doing exactly except eating all the red berries on my cotoneaster. So I guess that, it's kind of funny how that happens. Uh, so that, that sort of spark of curiosity, I think is what Suzanne and I are hoping natural intelligence will, will bring as a program and um, kind of have people wonder, why am I seeing that right now? Yeah, so I, I would love to hear more about it. So natural intelligence isn't brand new, but it, it is fairly new in, in Saanich and something that um, a, a allows folks to engage that curious spirit. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's it all about? So, you know, I think it's interesting that both uh, you and Eva were talking about connections because really for us, not natural intelligence is about how we connect our residents differently with nature and, and with mother earth. So again, to moving to being just one of and part of nature, uh, recognizing and valuing our role in nature as, as our place in and not separate, right? Not owning the land, but owing the land and, and cultivating that, that new sense. And so it's, it's, you know, it's a way for us in parks, recreation and community services to kind of braid that Western science approach of where we study nature or we, we just count the birds, which, you know, has its place for sure. And I mean, I count the number of hummingbirds I see on my walks all the time. Um, but then moving into that other way of knowing through, uh, the indigenous ways of knowing through new relationships, right? Not only with nature, but with knowledge keepers and with one another. And, and so that it's really to move away from, um, taking that, embedding that curiosity in ourselves to go, okay, so, and then what, where, where do I fit in that? And, and how am I a part of that? Mm -hmm. So how does it work? I mean, it sounds like a, a terrific opportunity for people to, to think differently about the spaces around them and, and the ecosystems that exist within it. 
How do they do that? Yeah, I, there's a lot of different ways and we're, we're building the program as we're talking about it. And so um, already uh, we have some really great opportunities in Saanich, not just the not just the trails and parks that we have, but uh, in terms of programming, we have a really amazing pulling together volunteer program at Saanich Parks, where um, I think it's about, we have about 60 lead stewards. So sort of leaders of a small group that work in 44 different park sites uh, around the district. And they've been busy over the last 10 or more years um, removing invasives like ivy and blackberry and holly um, and, um, and uh, working with our staff to restore those areas with replanting of native species. So that's one program that folks can get involved with already today. We have a park ambassador program at Mount Douglas Park, which is about um, helping uh, park visitors uh, learn some interesting things about Mount Douglas Park and also help them with wayfinding because there are so many trails in that park that it's very easy to get turned around. And certainly our ambassadors say that that is a question they answer most often is, where am I exactly? And how do I get back to the Churchill parking lot? So um, those are two examples. And, and we're looking at continuously building um, We've got pollinator plantings happening. We've got tree appreciation day. The list, the list goes on. I don't know, Suzanne, if you want to add any that I've forgotten. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the things that's so spectacular is that, you know, nature is the curriculum, right? I mean, we have our seasons and we have, you know, um, a naturally evolved school outside of our door. And, you know, Dr. David Corshane um, from Turtle Island, you know, talks about the, the need to, to uh, really bring in, in the young people. And in Sandwich, not only do we have this bounty of nature, but we have this barbell community for demographics where we have, you know, a lot of older adults, but we really have a lot of young people. So that's kind of our next step is how do we indoctrinate our young people into natural intelligence, you know, so that we get to that, that point where um, we're connecting knowledge keepers with young people, we're correcting, connecting our stewards with young people. You know, to ensure that they know that, for example, Cadbury Bay, you know, it's not just home to a sea serpent, but also home to a First Nations village, you know, and a whole and a whole way of life and, and to take it there. Um, you know, it's really just getting people to go out to the forest and hug a tree, you know, one of our relatives and, and listen and, and learn from that. Um, and so part of it is, is um, creating opportunities that aren't necessarily only formal, which is, you know, definitely important to us, but really that, that curiosity piece of, you know, having those social media opportunities where we ask people to go out and hug a tree and find out, so what did she tell you? <laughs> did you learn any secrets? And, um, and, and, but I think now our next step is really young people. A quick uh, story is that one of our programmers at San Jacomo's Place had heard that the Kitty Capers Preschool, one of the students had had their lunch stolen by a squirrel. And so he took it upon himself to go out and do a bit of a natural intelligence conversation about, well, what should we do? Should we call the police? You know, should we set a trap? And, and in the end, really, they talked about nature and the importance of properly closing up food and, and you know, making sure that they were working as one out in the park. And it was, uh, I saw it on Facebook last night and I thought, oh my goodness, I have to mention that to Eva because there's natural intelligence. Um, so it's happening, you know, as we go and now we're really just trying to formalize it and take it into that, that direction that will have us working more with our neighboring First Nations and with, 
you know, our, our experts and knowledge people in the organization and in the community. I really like that approach and, and having the, the knowledge sort of braided, as you said, between that sort of Western scientific view and more in indigenous ways of knowing. And, and I'm curious about how you go about doing that. What is your approach to bringing those two worldviews together, which I, I think is so important, and particularly as it applies to, to young learners? So maybe um, Eva, I'll start this time and then you can. One of the ways that you know we, we started um, a couple of years ago with the ambassador program was inviting knowledge seekers to come in and, and walk Mount Douglas Park with, with our ambassadors so that they could learn about the plants and, and learn more about the history. So doing more of that. Um, you know, uh, we're working on a, a program right now uh, with connecting elders um, and, and seniors uh, to talk about food and culture with, with some of our newcomers. And so the next stage of that is how do we do that uh, with, with youth? You know, how do we maybe partner with, with a classroom and, and join elders and students so they can share a meal at a distance, maybe through a Zoom call and be able to hear the stories of, of the land. Um, you know, we're just, uh, we're building, we're trying to build so many more relationships with our neighboring First Nations and they're very generous with, with their time, um, you know, because we are just wanting to learn and, and to listen. And we're gonna keep on building that and creating those opportunities. Um, the pandemic has definitely, I think, you know, put a bit of a, a hitch on that for us or a stop to that. Um, but, you know, I think as everybody's getting more comfortable with this type of conversation, we can look at how do we embed this even more still even in the coming year so that we're not waiting till 2022. So I don't know, Eva? Yeah, I think you've said it really nicely and that it is that, uh, finding the opportunities to uh, join together, to learn together. Man, we had a fantastic tour for staff last, just before the pandemic hit uh, with Mark Albany, who is an, an Songhees educator and, and historian. And um, he took us, he really wanted us to understand the territory. And he, so he, he's like, I'm not staying in Saanich. We have to go, you know, through Victoria and over to Esquimalt. And it, it was such an eye opener for the staff that went on that because it really made us kind of think, stop, stop, which is important, stop and think and realize, okay, we can't look at these little pieces of land in isolation. We need to look at the whole and we are part of the whole. And so, it's, you know, some of us might have a bit of an aha moment here and there, but it's really a long journey to, um, to continue to be curious and open to new ways of thinking. And, and so there, I don't have a really good concise answer for you on that, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a journey, I think, that will take us around the mountain, over the mountain, maybe not through the mountain, but <laughs> on various paths. <laughs> You know, I think um, in addition to understanding and appreciating our surroundings and its contribution to the, the benefit of our existence, the, our way of life, there is something just so soothing about getting out into that natural space. And there aren't a, a lot of options around in, in Saanich where you can get away from the traffic noise, but they do exist. Um, and when you find those spaces, it just makes you stop and recognize just how significant it is to be able to remove yourself from that cacophony that exists in our daily lives. And what a healing effect that has on our well-being. 
even if it's just for a few minutes. And so it's so terrific, I think, that we have those local opportunities that we don't have to pile in the car and drive for an hour and a half to get there, but that they are in our own neighborhoods. And in many cases, they are easily accessible by a short walk or a bike ride in order to take that time to, to mentally recharge. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, what you're describing there is that Japanese tradition of forest bathing. Um, and there's lots of science now on the, um, the interaction between our, our being out in nature and how that affects our both physical and mental health. Um, just on the physical health side, uh, you know, people have shown, researchers have shown that um, uh, being out in nature, your heart rate slows, your breathing slows, your stress hormones are reduced, um, and the list goes on. And then there's that, because of all those things, um, your mental health in, in increases. And I just read a, a paper the other day where um, it came out in Nature in 2019, and the researchers had uh, found that for a really positive mental health outcome, you only need to be outside in nature for two hours a week. And that can be one long walk or hike or bike or whatever you're doing, or it can be in small pieces. So it wasn't that it was... Um, uh, you know, a, a, one a one long item that you needed to do or one long thing you needed to do, but it was very interesting that it was uh, two hours. And beyond that, there wasn't a big further increase. It was, that was the magic number. Very cool, hey? You know, so that's, a, that's very cool, especially, uh, you know, I think Dean, you can appreciate that. And probably Eva as well still is that um, it's hard to think that we've got Kids that aren't getting outside enough, right? And we, you know, we have the the studies around nature deficit in children and and what that looks like, and and really how in planning, um, how we look at natural intelligence and how we have kids outside. Two hours a week doesn't seem unreasonable of a goal to try to help our residents have have the young kids outside and our youth outside for two hours a week. And I, you know, I think that gives us a, a bit of a measurable um, opportunity that we can take a look at moving forward. It's kind of like that, that one doctor who uh, had wanted people just to be active just out of 24 hours, right? Like what's one hour out of your day? And, and so really what's two hours out of a week? And, and so yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. And yet I know that that would be a challenge for uh, some folks. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish that, that that should be just easy for us to do. I mean, a new habit is hard to uh, create, but going sort of back to that pandemic conversation, this was the year where we did slow down and it did give us opportunities to think about things differently and take up new habits. Um, with the interesting thing uh, on this interview yesterday, um, the reporter stopped a, a couple of women who were walking the Cedar Hill Chip Trail and um, the story one woman told was exactly that. It was amazing. I mean, I, it kind of brought a few tears to my eyes in terms of how she um, took the opportunity for to take this time for self-care. And she was out in walking the trail every day. And now she had started running and just really uh, inspiring story. I kind of wanted to ask her for her email address, but I didn't. <laughs> Really so, great 
Absolutely. So what about those folks who may not be in the position to be able to get to some of our larger green spaces? Um, is there opportunity in the more urban environment to create um, those natural experiences that people could, could enjoy? So I always get excited when we talk about like little pocket parks or, you know, linear parks and, and it doesn't have to be, um, uh, it doesn't have to be filled with equipment or it doesn't have to be filled with, you know, a, a whole grove of trees. It doesn't take much to make you feel like you are in nature. And I know Eva laughs at me. I had never been to Vegas and a few years ago we went just because uh, we thought I should probably go once. And the only place I got a little bit of joy every day is I kept making us walk down to the strip to go to New York, New York, because they actually had a, a piece of the sidewalk that had grass on it and I think three trees and a little waterfall on the wall. And I would just go and kind of like rub the tree and I'd say, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> and so it, not, not to that extent, but it really doesn't take much before you, as you know, there's still traffic, but because the water was there and there was some natural environment and softscape, it, it was that little bit of escape. And I think, you know, Eva can share that that's exactly what we're looking at in our parks differently. Yeah, and certainly, um, you know, we're gonna see uh, some parts of Saanich that we are going to redevelop in the next, what if we call it 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, for example, Shelburne Valley and Uptown Douglas area. And we're gonna and we're gonna be inviting a lot more residents into our into those neighborhoods and and so it's really important as those areas are developed that we keep our eye on that parks prize and that we make sure that um, neighborhood parks are developed uh, and able to be um, uh, acquired as well, which is also a challenge. So um, you know we're 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 working actively to to ensure that there will be parks for folks in those new neighborhoods, but it's not an easy road either. Mm -hmm. It does come with challenges. Sorry, I, mm -hmm. I think Eva, that you hit something that's really important, I think, is that it's easy in Saanich sometimes when we are looking at acquiring those small pieces of park in those more urban areas or those areas to be developed for it to, you know, the questions to get asked, like, well, why do we need more parks? There's a, there's a park four blocks away or there's a park half a kilometer away and I think it speaks to Dean your 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 question is what about those folks that can't go very far I mean maybe they can only get a block out of their out of their 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 home or, or where they're living and and so how do we ensure that not everything is a journey um, and, and I think that's a really important important point that that you you raised the UN has declared the next decade the decade on ecosystem restoration and uh, so our mayor has already proclaimed that for Saanich, which is very exciting. And so we'll be riffing off of that um, in the next 10 years. And uh, the first really big uh, celebration we're gonna continue on is our journey in Cuthbert Holmes Park uh, in that restoration journey. Um, and uh, you know, we've seen tremendous changes as a result of the interchange. Um, tremendous positive changes in the park uh, with uh, support from the Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure. Um, they've built two new ponds, they've created uh, 
diversity in the estuary. It's been amazing. And so we have some more uh, big work to do there and we're really excited about it. So that will begin um, this uh, spring and we'll be doing some stream restoration work in the park along with moving a trail away from the stream. So there's a riparian area planting possibilities um, and uh, certainly the, the team is very excited and, and we are too, along with the community um, members as well. Um, I'm so pleased to hear that. Cuthbert Homes used to be my neighborhood park many years ago. And I know you've got some passionate stewards of that park. So I'm sure they're delighted to see some of those positive changes that are occurring there. They, uh, they're absolutely delighted. And in fact, uh, one shared with us photos just yesterday uh, over the last couple of days that there had been a, an owl who's been living on his own. Um, and just recently a lady has moved into the forest and they appear to have struck up a friendship. Uh, and so parks uh, staff was on site the other day with one of our kind of lead stewards of that park putting up owl nesting areas uh, so that they can create a nice little home together. And so we're pretty excited that that's happened. It's been a lot of years. Uh, our understanding is the gentleman has been on his own for quite some time. So definitely worth uh, checking out that space and place next time you're out. Very exciting to hear there's a new potential partnership uh, underway at Cuthbert Homes Park. Eva Rickius is the manager of Parks for Saanich. Suzanne Samborski is the director of Parks, Recreation and Community Services. Thank you so much, both of you, for taking the time to chat today. And thank you both and your teams for such terrific work in support of uh, Saanich residents and really residents all over this region and visitors to this region. Thank you so much for all of the great work that you've been doing and please pass along my thanks to, to the staff that you work with as well. Will do. Thanks Dean. Thanks Dean, it's great to chat with you. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. I'm Dean Murdoch, thanks for listening. <laughs>